0: To productize something or or to achieve a business that continues to make money even after you're gone requires systems.
1: Hey friends, it's Steve. Want to know how a $5 book lands a $5,000 client? I've recorded a 15 minute video showing you our magnetic author method. It's up now at magneticauthor.co slash video. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and we have got a Dynamite interview coming up for you today. I am speaking with Max Trailer. He helps brilliant people turn their unique knowledge into repeatable systems, which he says means productized consulting services, and he really helps see value in others that they cannot see themselves. Maybe he'll turn this into a consulting session on me. I don't know. We'll find out. He has fallen in love with uh, helping sales and marketing consultants discover what their knowledge is really worth, define it, package it, use it to improve their professional lives. And he has proven that it's possible to move from selling commoditized services to selling proven strategies. And this is going to be huge for everybody listening. Um, And I'm so excited that he is here. Max Traylor, welcome.
0: That was a great uh, intro. Steve, thank you. I'd like to use some of that.
1: You should. You should.
0: <laughs> Cheers to so, you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, this is going to be really good because the people who are listening to this are people who are doing the things that that were in that intro. They're doing consulting. Um, they're probably doing services of some some kind. If it's not consulting. Uh, many of them are in that sales and marketing consultant world, although not all, but I think for anybody who's listening to this, our audience, this is going to be a, a really good fit. So I, I'm really curious, how did you get to be the expert in productizing and packaging up these uh, these expertise services?
0: Uh, well, the, the short story is um, I'm a fourth generation entrepreneur. And uh, I grew up with my dad telling me, Max, you, you know, we go to Disney World all the time because I have a digital scalable residual business model. Uh, that was my lullaby as a child. And uh, I didn't understand what the heck he was talking about. So he told five-year-old me, Max, that means you do something once and you get paid forever. And I was like, wow, that, that sounds really cool. Um, so then, you know, years later, I, uh, I get out into the working world And um, I went to a school for entrepreneurship and I started a marketing agency and I thought, man, I love marketing. This is going to be really cool. And um, turns out that was the opposite, you know, in terms of business model, that was the opposite of digital scalable residual. It was the opposite of do something once, get paid forever. It was like, do something more and more and get paid less and less. Every time I hit my goals, every time we took on more business, it felt like I had less personal time. So I, I, I just really felt, Uh, I really felt stuck. And so I made a series of of decisions. Uh, One was selling more strategy, which I I found uh, strategy or selling the thinking. And I found that played by a totally different set of rules. So I could charge a lot more for my time uh, versus some of the things which, you know, 10 years ago really became commoditized the doing of things. There's the freelance gig network. Now you can get anybody just out of college to do anything you want. So uh, it became very competitive pricing wise. Anyway, so I started selling strategy versus the doing of things, and accidentally fell into licensing a lot of the the processes and the methods and the tools that we had developed. So I, you know it was it was through discovering what my dad had always talked about in a traditionally fee for service marketplace of, of agency services or consulting and finding how i could turn that into my own digital scalable residual business that supported what i wanted to do in my personal life which was play professional paintball and golf a lot and now i have two kids so uh so it's, it's it was even you know more important that i made that decision so i fell into the business of helping other people do it because i discovered how to do it for myself and i guess i developed a passion for seeing people improve their personal lives. Not just make more money and this is really the only way to do it is to uh, is to package up your knowledge and make sure you're getting paid for it.
1: yeah I couldn't uh, I couldn't agree more. I think it's interesting I going back years um, I had this conversation with a guy who owned a, a software development company and except they weren't the good kind of software development where they were you know coding something and putting it on the App store and making a billion dollars. They were staff augmentation for state contracts, which which was all trading time for money. And we were having this conversation about sort of like the the fantasy of every professional service business owner. And that is to create a product. And they were trying to code this product that they were going to sell separately. And I just that conversation has always kind of stuck in my mind because the way to make that transition isn't exactly clear. If you're on that service side and you're sort of trained to show up and, and you get paid because you're there, you know, to make the transition that you're talking about into being paid continually again and again and again, for work that you've done once is it's, it's a little bit foreign in this world. Well, um,
0: yes. And uh, I've learned that there are, you know, there's different ways of doing it. Uh, I, I think that, because so many young entrepreneurs have come out with um, online classes. Like I, some for some reason I woke up in the online class era and that's been happening over the past five years. So everyone's got an online class. So we our mind immediately goes to, oh, that, that, you know, okay, you're talking about creating a software product or you're talking about creating, uh, you know, some online accessible uh, thing where people watch your videos. it. it it doesn't have to be a product in and of itself. The objective is to step away from your business fully. Like I'm not available. I'm in Africa hunting lions or whatever I want to be doing. And the business is still functioning and the business is still making money. So an example of you don't need to build a product to accomplish this uh, is so EOS would be a perfect example, entrepreneurial operating system, Maybe that's a good example because of your audience. They should know uh, what that is. Very, very uh, popular in the consulting space. Gino Wickman, the creator of the EOS methodology and and services process, he doesn't do the work anymore. He's created a teachable system where other people can sell it. Other people can run it. It doesn't change every time. The exact same tools are used. The exact same process is used. And so it's easily teachable. It's easily sellable. Gino's off writing his next book, doing whatever whatever he wants to do. So to to productize something or or to achieve a business that continues to make money even after you're gone requires systems. It requires that you sell and deliver the same thing every time. And it's achievable as a services business. It's also achievable as a product.
1: So... I'm curious. What are some of the questions that you begin asking your clients? That come, someone comes to work with you. They've got a service business. They want to go down this road. What are the first few questions that you you ask them to sort of determine what the potential is?
0: Well, how's your life going?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, I I uh, I guess I was I was taught uh, from an early age that you put your personal life first. And you build a business around your personal life. That's that's the gift that I was given. So I ask people about their personal lives. You know, how much are you working? When was the last time you took a vacation? What's your relationship with with your kids? With your wife? What are the uh, what are your hobbies? You know, what do you love to do? Oh, I love to travel. When was the last time you traveled? Oh, I you know two years ago. Pandemic aside, obviously. And that generally tells me if they're on the hamster wheel being told what to do by their clients or if they've actually achieved control over their business because if you have control over your business you ought to be taking some vacation you ought to be sharing in the fruits of your labor so i get that that's kind of a non-answer i guess i guess my first real business question would be how many services do you have
1: I guess at that point, does that, I mean, they start listing out services. Do you then yes. speak?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, they do. And as soon as you get right, as soon as you list out uh, your services, I mean, it like, it, you know, it's like a graphing calculator and it's been a while since I was in math class, but you know how, you know, you it or you cube it or you, or you quad the number and the numbers just get huge. Well, that's what happens to your business in terms of complexity. Like you are a human being and you are delivering a labor-based, complex service. Now, multiply the complexity by three because you've got three different clients doing a different combination of services, each with their own different personalities and goals and all this stuff. This is where people get stuck because we're human, like juggling. How many things can you actually juggle before you drop something? Uh, So the, the, the biggest... The biggest difference I see between people that have achieved balance in their personal and professional lives and people that have not, is that the people that have achieved balance deliver one thing many ways. They deliver one thing as a service. That same thing can be delivered as a group workshop. That same thing is available for purchase online. That same thing has been codified into a book. Same thing, multiple delivery methods. The operational efficiencies are astronomical. You could train a person that couldn't find their way out of the bathroom to do these things. The people that struggle offer multiple things. One way a professional service where they hold their client's hand and they try and maintain the dumpster fire that is client services.
1: But Max, every client is different.
0: That's a problem of your demand generation efforts. Every client should not be different. This is a problem with focus and shame on you in the marketing space because you, and even in the sales space, you can't get away with it either. You teach your clients to focus and the benefits of focus. And yet 95, uh, if I look at a hundred agencies, five of them will have some element of focus, whether it be industry or practice area or situational. Those are kind of my three categories of focus that I look for. But after speaking with them, only two out of those five are actually focused. The other five just embraced it, or the other three just have embraced it from a commercial standpoint. Uh, But you look at their client accounts and they're all over the place. So the, the, the idea that all our clients are different, that is in and of itself the problem. And you need to make sure that all of your clients look the same, behave the same, have the same wants, the same needs, the, the same, you know, culture thought process, the more you can get your clients to look the same, uh, the more efficient your business is going to be.
1: So are there businesses where this approach isn't necessarily a fit?
0: I mean, maybe, I haven't found any. Did any come to mind? I mean, all all we're talking about here is being able to recognize the patterns in a professional service and to only do the thing that is most valuable to your customers and to say no to everything else. I can't imagine a situation where that isn't considered common sense. The problem is that in a, in a professional services business, especially for new consultants doing their own thing, is the fear and the hunger that drives us to take on bad business. Same reason we get into bad relationships, abusive relationships, because we wanna feel loved and we don't got no one around. <laughs> we were off drinking late one night and came across someone at a bar. It's desperation. Uh, and we all feel it. it's a human trait. I'm not knocking on you for it. It's a part of the psychological pattern that that is, the, that is the self-employed. It is the downside of doing your own thing. You are your boss and you're kind of a crazy person.
1: <laughs> you just said something really important uh, and not the crazy person comment, but uh, you said a moment ago, something along the lines of figure out what's best for your clients and do that thing to me, that is because we've been down this path in our own business. So I have at least some conception of, of, you know, what you're talking about. And it really is, I think, it's essential to figure out what that thing is, or that small group of things that together can form a service that best serve your clients. I think Jay Abraham says it best. He's got a, there's a great YouTube video. You can Google it uh, called the strategy of preeminence. And one of his statements in there is that, you know, you have a duty to your clients to sell them all that they need to get them to buy, you know, every every component together that they need to be successful. If you sell them less than that, you're, you're underserving them. And so what I I love about what you said is that it's really about figuring out what is that, that spot that really wraps your clients in this sort of sphere of care. And then if you can do that, then package that. I mean, that's what I'm hearing you, you kind of saying there.
0: Yeah, there is, um, you know, the hardest question on the test, uh, wasn't, you know, pick the right answer. It was pick the best answer. Those were the questions that really pissed me off. And that's, that's what this is. There is always a best answer to the question. What is your most valuable service? And, uh, you are doing a disservice every time you don't focus on that thing.
1: So as you're working with someone and they're beginning to put this together, what does it often look like for them? They're they're do now doing, you, you've you kind of narrowed them down. I'm sure they've got existing clients, existing relationships, and, and some of that just kind of works its way out over time. But now you're focusing on moving forward in this one area. And you talked about adding, I guess, different levels of offering the same thing. What does that typically look like for someone that you work with?
0: Usually people have to spend at least a few years delivering just the professional service before they really validate the operations of that service. I've found there are there are three levels to productizing any given thing. One is a professional service. The second would be a facilitation model where you can deliver that process to many people at the same time. And the third level is a license model where people will actually pay to wield the facilitation model as a business like EOS. People pay EOS to wield the EOS process as their own business uh, and charge for it and and things like that. It's also where you find like franchise, but I find a lot of entrepreneurs, especially solopreneurs, they just haven't experienced the operational discipline of doing the same thing over and over uh, to where it's almost like starting over. And it's retraining your brain to say, no, no, I am, I am in charge. I don't, I don't ask my clients what they want and deliver what they think they want. I'm being paid as an expert because I know what they need and I'm going to stick to my process. Uh, So that takes, uh, that takes discipline. It takes uh, at least a few mental breakdowns. Uh, I think the hardest thing is what do you do with the clients that, are already in control of the relationship, because if you lose, it's very hard to, to gain control again of a relationship. Like if you start out as a strategic partner, and then you start doing website stuff and all of a sudden you're the website person because you're defined by what you do. And I see this case, a lot people start strategic and, and get tactical very quickly. It's almost impossible to go back. Like no one, no one can go from a website person, to a strategic advisor, but, but you can very easily go from a strategic advisor to a website person. So people are kind of stuck with a book of business that, um, with scope creep, that, uh, they're replaceable and they know what they want to do, but they're not in a position to tell their clients, Hey, this is the way we're going to do it. So it's, it's kind of a scary period of time where their effort is being spent on, the legacy business, which is basically chaos and run by their clients to, you know, how do I establish a new order and how do I, how do I get enough income in this new model to give myself the confidence to tell those other clients to go away? Because ultimately that's what you have to do. You have to fire your clients and start over. And so there's a transition period and that transition period is, is very tough. It's like a blood transfusion. Sometimes it doesn't work. Uh, and, and, uh, it it has to do somewhat with timing and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of psychology and self-confidence, but that's what I find
1: on the other side of this transition for the people who sort of make it across that gap. Do you find that it's easier for them to sell their service at that point?
0: Easier to sell is a funny concept strategy is harder to sell than commoditized services or deliverables. In fact, I've found that most professional service providers have never sold anything in their lives. They've taken orders. People have come to them and said, ah, I see you do websites. I am in the market to buy a website. I would like you to bid on this project. That's not selling. That's taking an order. So the idea that you understand who your ideal customers are, you know something about their challenges that they do not you can develop a relationship, educate them and present a solution they've never seen before and are prepared to pay you an incredible premium. That's something completely new. So no, it is harder to do it, but once you do it, there's no turning back.
1: You know, you've talked about transitioning to selling strategy and, you know, I, i I often look at that as being distinct from this idea of the productized service. A lot of times I, you know, you see people talk about productized services and it is, it's very much productizing the delivery of the website. If we use that example, right. Um, or I, you a know, you blog see, or you
0: know, right. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a tangible thing at the end and there's a defined process to get to that tangible thing. And yeah,
1: absolutely. So, um, whereas strategy you think of, well, that's, bespoke for every client it's, because it's, every ne, it's nebulous what is it right you know, exactly what does it really it's, mean yeah it's, it's fugazi it's fugazi so how do you reconcile that i mean I, I i'm i'm assuming you approach the idea of selling strategy in the same way you're looking to productize that yeah. how does it work
0: uh, you have to define strategy you have to make the subjective objective you have to make the nebulous tangible strategy is a plan so like when i hear people say strategy I always try to clarify, well, what the heck do you mean? (laughs) Uh, Oh, it's a plan. All right. Well, show me a plan. What does that look like? Uh, I've I've come to define a plan as goals, roles, timeline, budget. It needs a defined objective. You need to have team roles. They need to have a timeline of activity and you need to know how much it's going to cost or how long it's going to take. So once you define it that way, you can say, well, Instead of the defined thing that you can touch and feel being a website or a blog, it is literally a document that has those things. That's your strategy. And unless you define it and you can uh, identify the elements, how those elements are valuable in achieving the end result that the client wants, because the end result a client wants is not a strategy. It is the results that the strategy and the implementation of that strategy achieves. So you have to. Treat strategy like a product. Why does this bell and this whistle make for a better cycling experience than, you know, the other, the other bikes? I don't know. I'm not a bike salesman, but um, (laughs) you have to talk, you have to, you have to make the things real, uh, make them tangible.
1: That's, that's a difficult task. I, I think for most people, I think that's where most service providers struggle, even in the more tangible things that they do, you know, um, well, I I've, I've been
0: told my superpower is to see the value in other people. I and I find that the most valuable things that they do are overlooked as a means to get to the thing that they are building. For example, a website person that sells a website undervalues the website plan or the proprietary process that they've developed to get to a high-performing website in a efficient amount of time that plan and that process and that intellectual property is simply a means to get to the end when the end is actually a commoditized price a competitively priced thing that people out of college can build in five minutes that's the thing that is going down in value the thing that's going up in value is your expertise because you learn more every day
1: yeah i that, i love that distinction and uh, and i think that's that's really really important here um where do people screw this up? I mean, this is not an easy transition. You know, having walked down this path a a fair ways at this stage, it's not, it's not for the faint of heart. I don't think.
0: Well, first of all, running your own business, doing your own thing is not for the faint of heart. So if that's the 1%, then we're talking about the 1% of the 1%. So people, most people don't do this for a reason. And I think the first problem is we don't surround ourselves with people that get it. We don't We don't have a self-help group of entrepreneurs that are as crazy and as focused as we are. That's the first thing I did as a solopreneur is I went out and I sought out a group, happened to be Dan Sullivan's strategic coach program, where once a quarter I can surround myself with people that are as crazy as I am. Because otherwise you go, you know, you talk to your buddy, Sam, that's been employed at the same, you know, corporate company for 20 years and you go, Sam, I'm having, I'm having trouble, you know, switching my business over to a focused thing. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so uh, just surrounding yourself with people that get it, I, I think is important, but it is a list of things that, that goes wrong. Almost every single one of them is emotional uh, and psychological imposter syndrome, the gap always, always beating yourself. So that's a Dan Sullivan thing. It's beating yourself up for not achieving the unattainable vision that you have set for yourself. It's an Achilles heel of visionaries. If you achieve your vision, you're a shitty visionary burnout paralysis. There's more, I can't think of them. Those kind of things.
1: As you're building this, you know, you, you, you head down this path and as you're building out this product, as service, are there some key inflection points that you look for as your clients are kind of going through this?
0: Yeah. Um, one big inflection point is when you realize that you can delegate things to other people that you previously thought only you could do. The The reality is there's three types of things that you do. There's uh, the things that like you were born to like is truly your superpower, where you're putting on the Steve Gordon experience and you wouldn't give it to anybody else if your life depended on it. Like they define you. Then there's the category, at the other end of the spectrum, which is just like the administrative activities that people are generally okay with delegating at a moment's notice finance stuff, maybe email, answering the phone, things like that. The middle category is the really dangerous stuff. These are the stuff that you have learned how to do. So the actual, uh, so for a website strategist, that, that superpower is to empathize with the buyer and create an experience that, that captures them, right? That might be somebody's superpower. The learned skill is how to code that into a website. And so people think that the things that they have learned how to do cannot be delegated to other people. They think they're good at it. They think no one else can do it. The reality is, look, there's, there's uh, websites with thousands of, uh, website developers, and to say that there's not somebody out there that can do it better, faster, and cheaper than you is just ignorant. And so, once you get a taste of like something that I thought I had to do, and you find somebody that's better, faster, and cheaper at doing it, and they le- that's their superpower, then you realize that wow, out of my whole process here, and in the, in the let's say I have, let's say there are a hundred tasks, one or two of them should be done by you. The rest should be delegated. And it's at that moment where you're like, man, I see a system and I I see a way out of the things that I don't want to do. For some reason, people are stuck in in a mindset where they think they have to sacrifice and do things that they don't want to do to get the life that they want. That's silly. Not in 2021. In 2021, you can decide what you want to do. And then you can find all the other people to, to do that stuff. And then you can find somebody to manage all those other people. And I know what you're thinking, listeners, this does not in any way mean that I'm encouraging you to hire an employee. Don't do that. I would never recommend that on anybody. I myself have taken a permanent diet from hiring employees. Hiring employees is risky. You take on their, and this is just straight opinionated opinions, you know, entertainment purposes uh, you take on the risk of paying them and the business eats while you sleep. That's what my father said was a definite no, no, never have a business that eats while you sleep. These are supporting roles where you're engaging in strategic partnerships with other self-motivated, self-organized individuals that can play a role in taking stuff off of your plate. You could fire them tomorrow, you can replace them tomorrow. And I harp on this because I see a lot of people coming out of corporate or coming out of other businesses where they've had employees and they just have this blanket statement of, I don't want to work with anybody. You know, this is going to be me. I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the solo person because I don't, want to, I don't want to deal with these employees. And it's a limiting belief that just because you have people supporting you, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to babysit them.
1: If, in fact, I would say if you do, you're doing it wrong.
0: Correct. means you haven't written a process.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I, my, my first business we had at the, the biggest we ever got was about 40 employees and bless you. The the only way that that worked and it worked fairly well. I mean, I got to a point where I could take two weeks off and come back and the thing was better when, than when I left it. And the key there is number one, hiring good people and number two, having a a system. But you know, if you're thinking you're going to do it all on your own, great, good luck. I've tried that that route too. You're not gonna get very far. And that's one of the things that I, I think is so unique about the time that we're in right now. So I, Max, I don't know how, how old you are. I just turned 50 this year. So I started in business the year before the internet really kind of came to the private sector. And, um, And it was a different world. So you had to hire employees. Everybody you worked with was pretty much local to you because there weren't the communication technologies that you and I are using right now, like Zoom, was a fantasy. And so you couldn't do it then. But now, you know, we operate on what I like to call the Hollywood model. You know, in Hollywood, they go to make a movie and the studio doesn't employ the actors or the cameraman or the director or the writer or the key grip, or any of those people. They assemble them for that project, for that thing. All of the people who have the specific expertise that are needed, and then they disband. And then for the next one, they assemble the next group. And, you know, and, and for most businesses, I don't think you're going to be that fluid. You're probably going to have a core team. But I, I like to think of it that same way, where you're pulling in the exact talent you need, exactly when you need it, and only for the time that you need it.
0: Hollywood model. I like that.
1: Yeah, I think I may have stolen that from Dan Sullivan. Though I'm not, I'm not 100 sure of that. So we'll, we, we I don't think there are part.
0: any original ideas left, Steve.
1: There are. There I are. think we're, we're just
0: perpetually. I know I am. I'm <laughs> just perpetually quoting
1: people. Yeah, we we came we came along too late in this game. Uh,
0: well, but somebody encouraged me one time. They said, "You know, Max, uh, there's no unique knowledge, but wisdom." is the ability to navigate knowledge.
1: Absolutely. Basically means I'm
0: gonna package up other people's shit and <laughs> that makes me wise. <laughs> there you go,
1: there you go. So if if somebody's listening to this, they're going, okay, this this sounds like something I really need to do. I want mm-hmm. my life back. Because at the end of the day, that's the reason to do it is to to go from the insanity of what professional services usually looks like to, something a bit more structured and sane and that, you know, serves a balanced life and they're going, yeah, I want that. Where do they get started? What, what should they do first?
0: This, this will apply to 99% of the people that might be listening, Uh, take their current proposal and charge money for it. Because again, people are giving away their most valuable and difficult to replace asset their knowledge in the sales process or in the services process. But I, I often find that I can literally take somebody's proposal and they're all custom made. And, and you've gone through a consulting process to create these things. You've, you've uh, talked to a client about their situation, about their goals, their challenges. You've talked to multiple people and you've put a tailored plan together that includes resources, timelines, budgets, that thing is valuable and it's called a plan that's what you're providing to them is a plan and that is what life on the other side is like you say hey you want that plan i'm going to charge you for it so anybody listening that's that's the first step and it's scary but a a big turning point is when you do it and you're like oh that was actually pretty easy now there's two types of people out there in the world it's important to understand this two types of people one understands that the plan is the most important thing in business, hands down. Professional athletes also would agree with that. There's a coach, there's a plan without that. You can take the most talented people on earth and they get slaughtered. Type one thinks that the plan is the most important thing. Type two doesn't. So people go out there and they go, ah, you have this problem, Mr. And Mrs. Client, Uh, I believe. The first thing we should do is create a plan, <laughs> and the client goes, "I don't want a plan. I just want a website right now. Can't you build it fast? I got. I need. I, I need chop, chop, chop. You got to understand that, that that that's just type two, and you can't change type two to type one. You're just talking to the wrong person. So, I caution you that like you, you'll still get, you'll still be treated like a crazy person, uh, sometimes, but." Um, you got to learn that just those, those people you ought to stay away from. Now, you know that because those are the same types of people that you work with and you get poor results and the relationship ends up like crap anyway. Um, But it's recognizing that upfront, accelerating the relationship and just putting your foot down and saying, look, the most valuable thing I provide is knowledge is the plan. If you're not into that, we should stop here.
1: I love that, that, that little statement right there, that might be the most important statement to come out of this whole interview. I mean that somebody could take that and make money with it tomorrow.
0: Yeah. It's like an identity. It's like an identity. It's, it's a, um, it's a core belief that if you don't have it, people will talk you out of it. People will go, no, I will pay you right now for the blog. or I'll pay you right now just to jump in and do it. And if it's not like something that, that you've adopted as a core belief, then you're, you're going to be lured by that stuff. But, um, but once you decide it, then you just, you are it. Hey, I, you know, my belief is that it's the plan that wins the game, so I do a plan first with every client no matter what. And I'm sorry, but uh people that people that don't see it that way, I'm not I'm not that guy.
1: I love it. So where can folks find out more about what you're doing and where can they connect with you?
0: maxtrailer.com Ooh, one more thing, and I mean no offense by this, it's just a personal story. Um I went through like four different company names the whole time my dad said, Max, just maxtrailer.com." Mind you, my father, Bob does not have bobtrailer.com. So he, he was, you know, he, he was, uh, anyway, but he always just told me maxtrailer.com. You know why? Because nobody can take that from you. If you, if you invest in your personal brand, nobody can take that from you. You're never going to say, oh, that was a good idea, but it doesn't fit today. You're never going to fire yourself from maxtrailer.com. So regardless of if you've got, you know, this cool idea of data logistics company co.org.biz, like whatever the thing you're doing, like take the time to invest in your personal brand, take the time to invest in something where every day that you do something for stevegordon.com or maxtrailer.com, it builds the value of it because nobody can take it from you and it's going to be there forever. Great advice. That that's just a, you didn't ask, but I felt obligated to to share that story, so maxtrailer.com. That's my website. I don't have a business card.
1: Perfect. We'll go check it out um, and uh, check out the podcast too. Tell them about the podcast. Beer's with Max. As
0: uh, is my is my as uh, my podcast. I drink beer with people and talk to them about these things. In uh, my book, I have a book. Uh, Agency Survival Guide. Got yeah, to productize consulting too. services, and do other things better too. And it's super short. It's a beer and a half read for you beer drinkers out there. Uh, two glasses of wine, and uh, and that'll do it. Steve, thank you so much for having me on.
1: You're welcome. This has been a lot of fun. This is a this is a complex and a, a deep topic, mostly because I think of the mindset shift that has to happen for people to to you know really go down this path, but uh, I appreciate you sharing all of your wisdom around it. it, It's so important, I think um, the future is here. This is really what you're able to do with people is help them escape commoditization. And it's not coming to every profession, it is already here for every profession so uh you're doing good work and uh, i know we have at least one client in common and uh and she says good things about what you're doing so uh, folks go check out MaxTrailer.com. max good to see you thanks for being here cheers steve still here excellent let me tell you about what's coming up at the unstoppable ceo in october we're relaunching a program we haven't done in over a year and uh, you may know that one of the ways that we help people is we help folks write their book. And we've got a high-end program that we will actually write your book for you. But that's not what this is. This is for you if you want to write a book, but you want it to be your own words. You don't want to have a ghostwriter write it for you. Or you just don't have the budget yet to be able to afford to have somebody write it for you. That's why we created this program that we're going to relaunch again in October called the Author Accelerator. And what the Author Accelerator is, it's, it's really a 90-day writing sprint. And I'm going to take you and guide you through all of our strategies and processes for writing a book. And the thing that makes this really unique is that we break it all down into really small chunks. So it doesn't seem like a big daunting task to write this book. Most people get intimidated when they start that process. Well, we break it down so it's just 30 minutes a day over the course of these 90 days, and you'll have it done. In fact, you'll have the book written in much less than that. But then we'll use the rest of the time to help you package it up and get the marketing prepared so that you can go out and use this book as a lead generation tool to attract your ideal clients. And this is the perfect time to get started. If you start with our group, and it'll be limited to just 10 people, if you start with our group in October, you'll have your book ready for 2022. To be able to launch into the new year with a brand new book, with something newsworthy to go tell your market about. So if that's something that you're interested in, the first thing that you have to do is you have to get on the waiting list. We're not going to advertise it out to everybody on our list when it opens up. It's only going to be announced to the people on the waiting list. The way that you do that is you go to unstoppableceo.net slash accelerator. You can get on the waiting list there and you can learn all about the course. Hope you'll join us.